right, welcome back to the Ottawa studios of Inside My Canoe Head. Thank you for joining us this week. We are going to talk about evacuation, considering what's going on in Western Canada and other parts of the world. The commencement of wildfire season, we're going to revisit a very important topic. So sit back, grab yourself your favorite beverage. Let's get at it. All right, listen, thank you very much for everybody who continues to send in uh, good, bad, or indifferent uh, comments to jeff at preparednesslabs.ca. Drop us a comment for anything you hear on this channel at anyone on any one of our social media feeds, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, whatever it may be. Uh, I'm over on Twitter as well if you want to have a frank discussion of the state of the world. Uh, but on top of that, we appreciate everything that you put forward. Uh, the comments and the rating on the first book are great. We appreciate that. Thanks again for everybody who continues to purchase our first book out, Preparedness Simplified. It's available on www.insidemycanoehead.ca. The links are there. So this week, I think it's really important that we double down and talk about evacuation. This was scheduled to be later on in the month, but I think now with the events considering what is happening, it's important to bring this topic back to the forefront now. So as we go through what we refer to as scenario planning in preparedness, right? What are all the things that could happen? There's a myriad of them, hundreds and potentially thousands of events that could befall any uh, family or individual. So from a simplicity perspective, especially we handle this in the book, but I think it's an important part for everybody to look at is that we deal with the most likely scenario and we deal with the most dangerous scenario. And by default, uh, by dealing with those, planning for what we refer to as the extremes, you're likely to hit everything that falls in the middle because scenario planning for preparedness is a continuum. It's like a spectrum of possible scenarios and events that could happen. So if you look at the most likely, which we referred to before as a power outage, right? It's the most likely thing to befall any family or individual that causes a disruption in normal life operations. The power goes out. Okay. Sometimes it's back on 48 hours. Sometimes because of ice storms, it may be two weeks, but that is the most likely thing that you're going to face. But by far, without question, the most dangerous event and not necessarily being life-threatening, but life-altering and life-challenging is evacuation. So our April 27th episode, we talked about sheltering in place and that why it's really important to ground the pretty much all of your preparedness planning based upon the assumption that when an event occurs, your family will collapse back upon your residence. You will shelter in your residence where everything you own is, where everybody feels comfortable, and you will ride out the disruption from that point. Now, you may carry on with normal operations. You may just have slight changes to how you're doing business, or may it may be a full-on hunker-down exercise, but it's absolutely logical that you should base your preparedness planning based upon sheltering in place until you can't. Evacuation is best planned in times of peace and calm. If you think about it, everything in preparedness, but especially evacuation, should be planned with a piece of paper, sitting around with your favorite beverage, talking with your family members, considering options, going over things when it's bright and sunny out and there are no threats and no risk. 
The reason being is, is at that time you can logically think through all of your options. If you're attempting to figure out your evacuation plan in the middle of an ordered evacuation or potential evacuation at a heightened level of stress, your ability to make logical, uh, intelligent conclusions and think about all the available courses of action and the implications of each is somewhat limited, if not totally prevented. And so because of that, um, we always talk about shot right now, if you're not kicking down the door to run out, to get into your car, because your house is about to burn down, you probably should put aside some time fairly quickly to talk about this. Now we look at evacuation from a logical set of steps. We're going to talk about five steps today that I think are logical and they'll take you through the evacuation planning process. Number one is don't necessarily focus on the why. If you need to evacuate your home, evacuate your home in one method, right? And this week is preparedness week, which I think is a very great idea. It's a fantastic idea. And it just happens to be the theme this week brought down by Public Safety Canada is assess your risk, know your risks. So here we talk about assessing your risk. What are you likely to face that might cause you to leave your home? So if you live in an urban area near an industrial site, it could be an industrial site. It could be a train derailment. Uh, if you live in the rural areas, it could be a brush fire or a wildfire. It could be your wonderful but somewhat questionable neighbor has decided to light their kitchen on fire because they've tried something new or some recipe. The reality is, is think big picture. But in the end, if you adopt a singular evacuation plan, irrespective of the reasons why you need to leave your house, then it will be far easier for everybody involved to understand their responsibilities and to know what's going on. So we always recommend that a family has an evacuation plan, but they have a singular evacuation plan. Whether you're leaving because of an industrial spill or a wildfire, you're leaving your house and you're executing the plan. That way, everybody knows what's going on. The second part is your destination. The key part of a successful evacuation is that you know unequivocally exactly where you are going to go when you leave. Ideally, you're going to be evacuating your residence to the family home of a friend or a relative uh, that you have a reciprocal agreement with that is going to be at a place that is likely outside of the same threat zone. So they won't be evacuating because of the same industrial spill or they won't be evacuating because of the same wildfire, right? Don't think that you're going to go to the next town over or two towns over and grab a hotel because everybody's already beaten you to it or the rates have just tripled. And on top of that, if you're thinking about going to a, a government shelter, remember that government shelters provide you no privacy whatsoever. It is a hot, uh, three hots and a cot, as we like to say in the army. And you're going to be sitting in the middle of a gym. Now think about this. You're on your cell phone competing for space and time on somebody else's Wi-Fi, whether it be a hotel's Wi-Fi, whether it be the Wi-Fi that the government tries to set up at a reception center in a place with no privacy. 
And now you're going to try to sort out your life. You're going to try to sort out the way things are going. That happens in a completely different frame of mind when you're sitting in your friend's basement in a normal house with unrestricted access to high-speed internet. You're not competing with anybody. You're warm, you're fed, you're watered, you're safe. You're in a place that you know and is common and friendly to you. Now you're in a position to lay out some paperwork, get out your phone, and start to figure out what your steps are next. And a prime example is I have a reciprocal agreement with a friend of mine who's about 150 or so kilometers away from here. Our threat profiles are significantly different enough that it's highly unlikely we'll both be faced with the same thing. We have a standing agreement. Him and his family can show up at my house anytime based upon the set of events and they're welcome to crash in my basement and uh, my family in his basement as well. And that way we know when my family evacuates, I'm, irrespective of what the reason is, I know exactly where I am going. And number three is the routes. Included in this is your transportation, but I'm going to assume you're going to take your car and you probably should have half a tank in your gas at any time, or at least enough gas to make your known destination, right? But what routes are you taking? The reason this is important is, is because you can't assume that your car's GPS will work. And if you don't have a car with a GPS and you're using Google Maps, which is my favorite to use, you're immediately making the assumption that the cell service is going to be working right? You're putting your eggs in your basket. So the number thing, one thing with routes is you need to be able to drive your primary and your alternate route by memory. Where do you turn? There are signs, I get it, but where do you turn? And if you have to turn off this road, where are you going next? I mean, if you need a paper map, have a paper map, but ideally you should know this route and your, pri and your, pri sorry, your primary and your alternate by heart. So that you're not going to be in a position where you're reliant on a Google map system that tells you you can no longer, that may not be available to you. And then you're now added an additional level of stress. Because remember, the evacuation is probably one of the most stressful things that you've ever gone through. If you have it well planned in a simple format, non-complex for everybody involved, then it is far more likely that it will be executed efficiently and to your desired end state if you keep it simple. The fourth part that you have to think about is what is your family going to do? So this is going to look different for everybody, right? What are the demographics of your family? Do you have young kids that are in school? Do you have a child that might be in daycare? Do you have an elderly mobility challenge or health challenge member of your family who may be in the same community that you're going to probably have to evacuate as well, right? Your family considerations are important. Everybody needs to know what their task is. If you have kids at school, who is going to get them, right? Who You don't want to be running around, everybody trying to get the kids to school, three of you landing at the school, three of you running around, or two of you running around, because the first one grabbed the kid and is already headed back to the house where you've agreed to meet and then exit from that point, and the two of you run around trying to pick up a kid that's already been picked up, or you picked up one and they didn't pick up the other one, or whatever the situation may be, whatever your family looks like, have that plan 
figured out. Who is going to round up who? How, you, how are you going to herd the cats? And is your plan to go from the house to the pick up the kids and then to the destination? Or are you going to pick up the kids, come back to the house, get together, pack up and go? question is you each have to have an idea you have to know what you're doing what everybody is going to do so that when the balloon goes up everybody knows exactly what the evacuation plan is and remember understand this also includes the simple things like what do you have to shut off at your house right your gas line your water line all of these different things whatever it may be make sure your utilities are shut off prior to leaving uh, and the last part here, this is the part that, that, that most people spend far, far too much time on is what do you take when you evacuate? Well, listen, human beings are pretty much it, right? I mean, all that matters is the people that you love and the people that you care for and that you get them out safely. Let's be frank. Okay. Now, if you have a little bit of time, then you got to think about what is priceless, what might be priceless to you and cannot be replaced? I've done this before in a previous episode. I have a handful of items that are priceless to me and cannot be replaced. Um, they are in a small little bag, maybe the size of a kid's lunch pail. It sits atop of my desk. My passport, all my ID, everything is in there. I grab that bag and go. I don't have to check to see what's in there, but the few priceless items that I have and all of my personal paperwork, passport, birth certificate, all that stuff for the whole family is in this little lunch bag size thing that sits on top of my desk. Grab and go. Copies of documents. Some people will say, bring copies of your insurance documents. Fine, go right ahead. Put them, make photocopies of them. Put them in a separate envelope and have that part of your uh, evacuation plans. I don't read my insurance documents. Who the heck am I to argue with a multi-million dollar insurance company um, when they're telling me I am or am not covered for something? The end result is I have everything on an app on my phone, right? I can file a claim by tapping a couple buttons on my app. I can send a secure message to my real estate broker by pressing uh, a few buttons on my phone. Uh, however you do it, if you, if you feel comfortable taking all of your documents, go. I would always recommend taking the documents that are hard to get. And that's why I put everybody's stuff in that lunch bag stuff. So like people's birth certificate, your kid's birth certificate, my birth certificate, that kind of thing, my SIN card, all those things that are really hard, not impossible, but a pain in the arse to replace. I just keep them in one place. It's useful for the family. We need them periodically for whatever reason. They're always going to be in the same place. And then when we got to go, we grab that bag. Um, comfy clothes. Listen, if when you land in your friend's basement, um, nobody loves life more than a set of sweatpants. Now, I'm dead serious. Whatever clothes are most comfy for you, have them ready to go if the clothing matters to you. And this is a great piece of advice I got to a friend of mine who lives in uh, northeastern uh, Alberta. Now, I have no idea right now whether they're affected by the wildfire, but they said because of that, they have an old gym bag uh, by the front door. And in that gym bag is a pair of sweatpants and an old, you know how you get old shoes and they're just not comfy shoes and they're not comfy. And, he, you know, you move on to the next one. So over time, he's just taken a set of sweat gear for his family uh, and a pair of old shoes and thrown them in a bag. And then he's thrown in there a box of the latest snack. You know, each kid 
has their idiosyncrasies. God love them and they love a certain piece of food, right? Um, so one of my kids loves uh, fishy crackers, right? So his evacuation bag has fishy crackers. So it's the favorite little food on the food for the trap, just for the trip, right? Uh, that each kid loves because there's nothing they're going when they're going to want to destination to eat their favorite snack food to get into comfy pair of clothes because you don't know when something is balloon is going to hit. So whatever would make your family feel comfortable when you get to your destination is what you should pre-plan. Now. Having a massive evacuation bag by the front door is cool with everything that you might need in it. But if it is things that you use on a daily basis, there is a high degree of possibility that it's not going to be in there when you need it, which is why I always recommend if you're going to construct an evacuation bag with your comfy clothes and comfy items for your family members, that these are not things that they use on a regular daily basis because it might be in the wash. It may not be in the wash. It may be on the kid. It may be on the floor. You know how teenagers are and you can go into the room and come out with like six weeks of laundry, right? If these are things that you're actually going to hold to the just for the purpose of evacuation, then I would distinctly say there's something that the kid does not normally use or yourself, right? So it should be really limited. The stuff that's priceless, those important documents, uh, and some snacky food. And it depends what you keep in your car. Now, we're going to do a later um, episode that's scheduled for later in the month of May on kits. So the difference between a car kit and evacuation kit, stuff like that. Save it to say that it is always a good thing to have a flat of water in your car. Just it, it doesn't. I mean, you can get the really super cheap ones at Costco, the really super cheap ones at the grocery store. I, I, I don't care. I'm talking like $3 worth of water that you would buy in your car. Water is the basis of life. It will keep everybody going. Uh, it can help out uh, when if you have a breakdown on the side of the road. It's always good to do that, right? It's always good to keep a couple other things in your car, and we're going to get into the specifics of that. But to roll it back to the purpose, let's get back to basics here, evacuation. Don't fret on all the... Things that could go wrong. Understand what your risks are and understand the amount of time that you're likely to get, but have a singular evacuation plan for your family. Have a destination, know exactly where you're going to go, have a place to land that'll provide you more peace and calm where you can sit and try to sort your life out in a friendly, happy place, not in a $300 a night hotel room, eating takeout food and under an incredible amount of stress because you have no privacy. If you, your spouse, and your three kids are stuffed into a singular hotel room with your two lovely pets, it's just not going to be a very friendly. And then try to do it in a shelter, competing for Wi-Fi. Good luck with that. Know your routes, primary and alternate route, and know them by heart. If you need a paper map, fine, but don't rely on Google Maps to get you where you're going because you're making the assumption that the cell towers have not fell victim to whatever it is that's causing you to evacuate. Make sure everybody in your family knows what their tasks are. Evacuations, unfortunately, normally never happen when everybody's sitting at home with nothing to do and they're ready to go. And they're going to happen in the middle of a normal life. Who's going to get the kids? Where are you going to collect? And then you're going to launch from there or you're going to launch individually. Whatever your family plan is, 
know whose responsibility it is to shut off the utilities, grab the evacuation bag if you have one. I always recommend you should to some degree. What are you taking? Make sure everybody knows where that is, the item that you're taking. Uh, make sure everybody knows what to put in the bag if they're taking it. That is such an individual and subjective point of view. I'm traveling 150 kilometers to my buddy's house uh, and I'm landing in his basement. I'm not worried about food. He'll take care of me uh, and I'll take care of his family without question. They will land in my house. They will have access to high-speed internet a comfy place to sleep, hot shower. They're not competing with anybody else. We're going to sit on the back deck, have some Barbies, have a couple of wobbly pops and give them all the peace, calm and serenity they can in trying to sort out where they go next. Because remember, where are you going next if you're in a hotel room? Think about that. You're in a $300 a night hotel room, $200 a night hotel room, and you can't go back for 14 days. Are you prepared financially to run up 14 days of a $200 or $300 hotel room. Oh, and don't forget, add on to all of that, all that wobbly takeout food that you're all going to be pounding down range. And that, I mean, there, there's no need for that. Have a place to go. Sort that out ahead of time and you will be far, far better off than before. And the last thing that I'll say on evacuation, and this is a really important point, uh, know your insurance company. Make friends with your insurance company. I've had the same insurance company for a number of years, almost a decade now. Um, I've had a couple of floods in my basement. They've been fantastic people. The brokers matter. Human beings matter. Where I have my insurance is probably, actually, I know it's not the cheapest. I could save probably close to 15% on my annual insurance premiums by going to another bidder. But I wouldn't have these people. These human beings that are incredible, they've been in my corner before, and I know when my chips are down, I can count on them. I know them by name. They know me by name. If we see each other, we wave at each other. That's a relationship that's really, really important. Build your social capital. The people that are going to involved in restoring and resurrecting your family post-evacuation is really important because you may return to your home in a couple of days and this will all have been an exercise or your home may be gone. And if your home is gone, you better have a real positive, friendly, joyful relationship with your insurance broker and a nice family friend that at least for 30 days you can spend in their basement before you go out and you rent accommodation while your house gets rebuilt, which is probably going to be a, a year or more episode. But imagine those first 30 days after losing your house, you were in a friendly place with family, people that care for you and were take and providing you everything you needed. Imagine that. It's a whole different picture of the world. So thank you very much for joining us this week on Inside Mike New Ed. I hope that you have an evacuation plan and I hope that you never have to use it. But like any scenario planning we do in emergency preparedness, it's there so that if the unfortunate happens, you are ready to go. You, your family, and the people that you love are taken care of. Everybody knows what to do. The plan is executed and everybody gets to your safe place in the best possible order with the best possible outcome. 
What's in your control is about assuming personal responsibility. As we say here at Inside My Canoe Head, the most important question in emergency preparedness is, who is responsible for your outcomes? And if you don't have an evacuation plan, then somebody else is going to give you one and you're going to be stuck with it. And it's probably not the outcome that you're looking for. So uh, continue to drop us great uh, insight. Uh, if you got a suggestion for future episodes, um, please drop us a line at jeff at preparednesslabs.ca. Drop over to any one of our social media and give us a shout out. Uh, follow us on our daily uh, videos. We put up short form videos several times a day and hints, tips and tricks related to preparedness. Thank you very much. Uh, drop over to www.insidemycanoehead.ca. Have a look around. And if you appreciate what you hear and you just want to give us a big thumbs up, go to the Buy Me a Coffee link. Buy me a coffee. It's a simple black coffee. I love coffee. Take care. Stay safe. And we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.